everybody and welcome back to the Catch Cape podcast. Today we are on episode 19 and we are still in Antarctica, the southern part of planet Earth. And we are going to venture to South Georgia and the Shetland Islands, um, also including um, Grytviken, which was an old Norwegian whaling kind of part uh, of South Georgia. Um, we also venture to Elephant Island, uh, where we visited Point Wild, where, you know, Shackleton and his crew, they were stranded there for several months and like they survived. It's crazy, really crazy, the story. So we'll, we'll look at that. And yeah, the wildlife down there is said to be the Galapagos of the polar region. So like I... <laughs> I can't even express to you like how amazing it is in terms of bird life, whales, penguins, seals and like, you know, all these whalers live down there and they did such destruction to the natural world. But then like, like, say, for example, seals, they just had a huge resurgence and came back like so many, like millions of them. So we'll have a look at that. Um... So, yeah, again, uh, I think a thank you to the patrons who are supporting the podcast. As you know, I don't have a sponsor. So you, the listener, the public, um, it's up to you uh, to, I suppose, contribute what you think is the value of this podcast or message to your life. And, you know, it's an important message I'm trying to grow and put out there. So I really do appreciate all the support that I get. And um, if you do want to support and want to see more and it grow, um, it's uh, patreon.com slash catchkate. Um, also, a side note, I am recording outside again, so you will notice some sounds. I hope that you like it. I had some good feedback last week. And um, if it does rain, I will run into the tunnel and the sounds might alter a little. <laughs> but anyway, we'll keep it natural and we'll keep that kind of human nature connection at the forefront. Okay, guys, let's get going on our adventure. So one of the first places we stopped at was Elephant Island. And if you look at it on Ecosia, you will see that the shape of the island, it actually kind of looks like an elephant head with a trunk. But also some people say it's due to the amount of elephant seals on the island. So Antarctica actually has like 50% of all elephant seals in the world residing there. And they breed down there as well. And they're, they're just colossal. Like when you see them in the water, like you can't help but just like, gawk at them you're like what what is that creature and the males can be like six meters long like they're massive and they can be like four thousand kilos like when i saw them first i was like what like is that even real you know because it was just floating in the water like this massive like piece of kind of blubber (laughs) it was really funny though it was just like cute but like so huge and also like a little bit vicious um, because like when they open their mouth and you see like their nose, their, their nose is like almost like a little, it comes out like kind of out of their face kind of almost. Um, yeah, they're really, really uniquely looking, but they can be like, you have to be careful around them because the minute they open their mouth and make those loud noises where they might fight with one another, like the dominant males, like it can be scary to see that. So you kind of have to be careful. 
But yeah, so we stopped at Elephant Island and I remember at the time that night we stopped, it was so wild outside and we stopped at the area called Point Wild where the the crew from Shackleton, so he was on his trans, he was on this big voyage um, and he, they were like, they got stuck between all these ice um ice floats and stuff and they eventually reached land elephant island and they stayed there like and they were huddled up like beneath their boats for months i think it was four and a half months they turned the boats upside down and um they just made do with what they had like you know so they would use like seal kind of fat and like burn it they had sardine tins as well and they would use these tins for like lamps so they really were like you know they struggled but like they got through it and Shackleton left with some others and they actually went up to South Georgia and then they actually came back down to rescue the other men I think there was 22 of them and like they survived and like can you imagine how harsh it is down there like it's super harsh weather like the night we stopped there we came out onto the top deck and like I literally stayed out like less than you know 10 minutes because I was like oh my god it was just vicious the weather that night like vicious um, like you could barely see and it was really foggy and like kind of sleeting snow and it like it's really mountainous that elephant island like it's not like it's not the most inviting islands you might meet um, tough going like lots of mountains and jagged peaks so yeah but super cool to visit it and they do have a memorial there and um yeah, it was it was amazing to feel the presence and the history of what went on on that site. After then, we went up to South Georgia and the Shetlands. Oh, stop! Like, it's very hard to summarize South Georgia. Uh, absolutely phenomenal, and like I probably enjoyed it more than the Antarctic Peninsula because it was just the wildlife. Like, there was just so much of it. You know, there's like half a million king penguins there. Like macaroni penguins you know like gentoos like all of it fin whales you know humpbacks all of it and it's just it would blow your mind it would silence you it would like make you just speechless um so what we did there we did some zodiac cruising we did um so when i say zodiac cruising we'd kind of you know anchor up the big the mothership and then we'd go out on these smaller boats, kind of like speed boats, and um, we'd just go around and observe the wildlife and maybe the like if there's icebergs or whatever and just see what we can spot really. And we'd have our guide with it, our, our adventure guide. And yeah, just phenomenal. Really phenomenal. Like when you're when you're cruising and then like a whale just comes up next to you and yeah, you know. And you see the blowhole and you just experience that raw beauty of nature. It's just mind-blowing. Um, and then we also did some beach landings. So we would cruise up to a shoreline, like a beach, uh, at different par- parts of the island. And it was so funny because they were like, look, we're going to try and arrive up. But like, you actually kind of have to m- not move the wildlife, but like you have to go so slowly and cautiously because there's so much wildlife there like like millions of wildlife you know um there's millions of seals as well so they would have had like fur seals 
and obviously the elephant seals but the fur seals like they were like they went seriously into decline like they were nearly wiped out and they just came back and there's millions of them there now it's incredible so you know when you do leave nature alone and you allow it to recover it does recover you know nature is very powerful and when we give her space you know species whether it be species trees land the soil when we give it space and stop meddling with the structures and um you know trying to control it like she really does come back with a you know like such a resurgence like to go from nothing to millions is phenomenal you know and the same actually with the humpbacks they were like dwindled to nothing and then they came back like in a massive amount of numbers incredible like you know so yeah so we would have gone around in the zodiac boats and we would have seen like you know the penguins on the little ice floats and just so cute just so cute guys like i can't i can't express how cute it was even at one point we were on a we were on a zodiac and like there was like this ice float and there was like eight penguins on it and they were all lined up i have a really lovely photograph of it and i remember just looking at them and i was like oh my god they look like they're queuing up for something you know they were all in like a line like dominoes and i was like oh it looks like they're queuing in the morning you know and then you see another ice float and there's like two penguins on it together just happy out you know oh just the most gorgeous gorgeous time um so then we visited one part of the island um a shoreline where we got to do a small hike um the hike was about uh maybe 20 minutes to the kind of highest point where we were kind of allowed to go and it was just lined again with king penguins and like the sight that we got at the end like i was just not expecting it um, but yeah, I walked for like 20 minutes, eventually like got to the place. Um, I did take a lot longer than 20 minutes because I just kept stopping, stopping, stopping at all the all the different sights and sounds and the glaciers and the mountains and, and watching even the clouds. Like I remember the clouds down there, they were just so unique and creatively formed. Um, just so amazing. And then also there was like small bits of lake or water run off from the glacier and like there was penguins like around it like you know as they do go near water you know and I remember looking and like taking photographs of the penguins like staring into the the little puddle runoffs and just the reflection of them and just all the beauty and grandeur of it all and just amazing um it's hard to put it into words really <laughs> but yeah I continued the hike anyway and I eventually got to the spot and they were like wait for it and I walked up and I was like holy moly I just looked from panorama from left to right and I was just like whoa it was just the biggest view of the colony you could imagine and there was 300,000 king penguins and I will never ever ever forget the sound of the orchestra below it was just i it was just phenomenal like to hear them all together with this symphony and yeah and it was funny because like they all blended in together almost you know so like the king penguins are, have this beautiful coloring almost like a little tuxedo on them and this orange as well, and just so gorgeous and yellow, just really bright and vibrant, just so beautiful. And then like you just see them all together down below and it's, it's like a picture painting. And then the glacier in the background and 
yeah that's like incredible guys incredible so the next part of the island we visited was a place called Gritviken and this area I found to be so so interesting um, even by its name I was like ooh this looks really unique um, so over like you know the decades uh, there's been a lot of I suppose conflicts on whose territory South Georgia is but it is a British overseas territory but I think with Argentina being so close and the Falklands like it's always been a bit of a like you know conflict zone I suppose but it is part of Britain um, so down there you would find people from the British Antarctic Survey doing like species work and all of that um, but I remember arriving into Gritviken Harbour and you know like going around the island and seeing nothingness um, you know because it is an area where it's it's inhospitable you know it's it's just wildlife and you come to this harbour point and you see you know like there was a navy ship there you could see a church you could see housing you could see equipment kind of like um machinery and like a graveyard and, and then penguins again lining the shoreline and then actually on our way in as well, before we kind of docked up, um, there was whales as well. I remember coming in there in the morning on the sunrise and the sunrise was just like out of this world, coming up behind the mountain. And there was all this orange and purple and pink. And I remember there was only three of us up on the top deck. Me, um, a guy from Spain, another guy from China. And the three of us were up there like in all our glory, like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, And you're wondering, you're like, where are the people? Where? Why isn't anybody up here? You know, but... Obviously, people are sleeping, like, but we were, like, we were mad for it, like, mad to see everything. So, that was, like, a full-packed day of, like, adventuring around. And it was really, really, really interesting place. So, like, if you do go on a polar expedition, like, like, I was so happy I chose South Georgia. But, like, I knew I wanted to go there, do you know, that way. I didn't want to just go to, you know... I didn't just want to go down maybe see the bare minimum of wildlife, you know, because down in Antarctica, like, there is a lot less and there's a lot more, like, you know, icebergs and stuff, which is crazy amazing. But, like, if you have the opportunity to see that much wildlife, like, millions of seals, millions of penguins, like, you got to take it, like, while you're there, you know, because you never know when you get back. <laughs> so... We went down to the island in the morning and uh, we first visited Shackleton's grave. So we went to the graveyard and we got to see, yeah, the lovely graveyard. But there was like seals all the way lining up the um, the walkway up to it. It was kind of up a hill. And there was some lovely writing on the grave, just acknowledging his feet and what he'd done and all of it. So that was really cool. And then I went off exploring the village and they did mention to us, look, it's Sunday morning um, and if you make it in time, maybe around nine, you might actually make it in time for, you know, the mass. And I was like, the mass? <laughs> and then I was like, well, you know, if there's mass on in South Georgia, I mean, uh, you know, this is kind of interesting. Uh, so off I went anyway to the church and I heard the bells ringing and I was like, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna head up there as quick as I can and see what's going on I went in and I opened the door of the church and it was an old Norwegian style church so if you've ever seen the kind of architecture up in Norway it was really strange because you're in a southern Antarctic isle yet 
all the structures there looked Norwegian. So it was very, very unique altogether. You know, because you're like, am I in Norway? Or am I in, you know, down in the Southern Ocean? But yeah, it was super cool. Went into the church and there was loads of, uh, well, maybe like six or seven men in there. Like all part of like the Navy. And they were singing choir songs and doing like a mass. And I was like, like, I had to pinch myself. I was like, what is actually going on? I was like, am I in a church at a mass ceremony and all these men are singing? Uh, it was just a little bit weird. But I kept, um, I kept the, weird in a good way, like, but I kept the mass kind of card. It was like, um, you know, when you get those uh, white kind of double facing um, card card sheets kind of in, in, in church when you go to any kind of a ceremony I kept that actually and the date is on it and everything and just as a souvenir um, so yeah because I like the, the men when they were singing I was like oh my like they were amazing singers and it was really touching because like you know I'd been on the ship for like two weeks and surrounded by you know like you know lots of people and, and being on this amazing journey for the last, you know, 10 months or so, however long it was. And then all of a sudden, like, I came to this choir and singing and music always kind of brings you back to baseline. Just realising, like, just makes you realise things. It kind of brings you into presence. So it was really beautiful to kind of just, like, pinch myself and be like, hey, like, look how amazing this is right now. Like, you're so lucky to get here. Um, So, yeah. It was a moment of real presence and recognition of how far I had come and, and what I had achieved to get there and, you know, just the appreciation of all the nature and the wildlife that I'd been able to witness the past few weeks before and share all of that as well. Like, I had no internet down there, but one girl right in the boat, she was so lovely. She actually gave me, like, WhatsApp Wi-Fi. Not that I, I didn't need it, I didn't want it, but... um. I did actually update in the WhatsApp like every few days and just put in my sightings. So I would put like, you know, 15th of March, 2019, sightings of humpbacks. And I'm actually really glad I did that because now I can look back and look at my writing of that. And I have journals as well, of course. And it's so lovely to read them and, and see how how fascinated I was. And I mean, I still am. But just reading it back and feeling again what it was like. It's the feeling of it all, isn't it? Um, and just the amazement of seeing the first iceberg or the first anchoring down there and um, yeah, all of that. I'm sure you can hear my ducks right now, probably. They're having a little swim. But um, yeah, just bringing, <laughs> bringing a bit of nature to the screens and the hens are actually, they've actually gone into the tunnel. They were eating my lettuce before, but they've stopped now, but they're digging they're digging into the ground so it's actually kind of helping me with the weeds but um yeah just in case you're wondering what that <laughs> beaky noise is um so yeah so that was the mass ceremony really loved it and just once in a lifetime really it just happened by chance that I ended up there at 9am and, and I got to do it and then after I visited the museum um, so like lots of stuff about Shackleton, lots of stuff about the whaling history. So we, I also did a whaling tour. So we got to go around and visit guys, to be honest, the whaling tour was very, 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 mm, thinking even about it now, it kind of 
struck a few emotional chords with me. Like I felt, yeah, I felt like sadness. I felt disappointment. I felt um, a bit hurt, actually, knowing like what humans had done to the beautiful wildlife down there. It, it kind of sickened me in a way to see all of it. But like, you know, this is history and yeah. Uh, it was just crazy, like, what went on, you know. Like, whales were killed in, in the tens of thousands, like 60,000, 70,000, year on year, like, you know. Massive numbers, just slaughtered. And we actually got to see the ships as well. Like, we saw one ship anyways, um, which would go out into the ocean, like, for, like, a day or how long. Uh, how long it would take to capture as many as they could. And we got to see all these, like kind of holes on the side of the ship so the ships were adapted to catch as many whales as they could um, so you'd have these holes on the sides and there was like eight holes on each side so they would go out and they might capture like 16 whales and um, yeah it, it's tough like to, to hear that and, and to see the pictures of it it's kind of sickening but like they would do that like the men would go out and then like the captain would like be up the top and he would like harpoon like they'd be like this kind of like can you imagine like a long kind of a pole going up these are the old style ships and then they would like be like one man standing in this kind of you know circular standing space and he'd harpoon this big long kind of stick uh, but obviously very 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 sharp metal and fling it into the ocean and you know basically stab the whale um, and some of them even could be pregnant you know and they would just tie them up to the ship after so they'd come back into the harbour and meet all the other men all the other male workers in there and um, you know they'd celebrate the whales coming in and, and then they'd have all this different machi machinery so they'd have different machinery for different things um, but like when I was looking at the ship and all the holes where they were joined on the whales and I was thinking of them like coming in and them all celebrating and being like yuck like seeing all those dead animals come in you know but they used to use like you know the skin for stuff they used the fat for stuff they'd use at the start they were they weren't even using the whole whale they were wasting the whole lot of it they were only using like the oil and stuff and then after they realized they could use the rest of it for other things and other products and you know all that sort of stuff but like they had a, like a tough life like kind of a tough life down there I mean they were segregated from society they would work there months on end and you know like they would they would work six days a week and then they would have Sunday off or whatever but they actually like they were saying they actually wouldn't even take Sunday off because like what would you be doing do you know that like there was nothing there there was like a house a lodging house where you'd sleep but like there'd be no point in having a day off because it's just one tiny little you know squared you know, a space, like, this is nothing there, like, the church, and then they had one slope on the right-hand side, where, like, you know, if it did snow, that they could, like, slide down it, um, but, like, nothing really, there's nothing there, like, so they would end up working seven days a week, all the time, they just worked and worked and worked and worked, and, uh, very basic conditions, and then, like, you know, they just killed and killed and killed, but, you know, like, they stopped, the whaling in like 1965 or something and like they have come back like the the humpbacks have come back like by 70 percent or something which is great you know but it doesn't mean that like it's not going on elsewhere in the world because it is you know like humans have always been a fan of the marine life and going after it and uh, what we've done to the oceans isn't fair um and i've seen it as well when i've been in asia and 
you know, catching baby tuna and catching, like, it's just crazy, you know. There are communities, obviously, in the world, like islander communities, say, in the Philippines, other places, Papua New Guinea. And, you know, like, they might catch a whale, you know, for their community. And that whale might feed the community for three months, you know. And, like, you could see the history and the reasoning why they might do that. Like, I can understand that. But, like, going out and killing, like, 60,000 whales in one year for, like, oil and all that stuff to put into products and... That, like, is just excessive and that's just, like, where humans have just lost control altogether. Thinking they can control nature and um, that we're separate from nature. We're not, like, we are nature. And then the more we destruct it, we're actually destroying ourselves and our ecosystems and the balance of the earth totally goes upside down. And, you know, sometimes we wonder why, like, people are so ill and, 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 and like, you know, you have anxiety, you have depression, you have people on... You know, reaching out to doctors and therapists and all of that, like, like we wonder why, like we we've we've destructed, we've made an artificial separation between us and nature, and 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 the more we can regain that connection back, like, because it is us and we are it, like, the more we can feel better and be better and be happy and joyful and and, and all of that, and. Like, I honestly tell you, like, the moment you can step out of the system that we've built, you know, the consumer domineering culture, the more you can step out of that and and come back into yourself and what you want and what you need and not all this stuff of buying, 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 because actually, like, you don't need to buy anything, like, you know? I mean, some things, obviously, like your food and that, but if you're not growing. um, But, like... I mean all the excessive stuff, you know, like random things, you know, that they tell you you need to buy to be like this. And I can honestly tell you the moment you come out of that and you realise, oh, my God, like what? I didn't need to buy any of that. Like and you step back into your own power and make choices for yourself and not be controlled by uh, the media or by um, the consumerist approach like it's just so beautiful and and the life I've chosen to live now like I just I love it I absolutely love it and I can't recommend it enough and I know I'm really lucky like to have space and access to growing growing on the land and all of that so I know I'm very lucky but like we can all start somewhere and we can all harness the connection to nature you know and even listen to this podcast like you're making a step in the right direction I promise you that (laughs) and um yeah I just I really want to promote that connection back and um, because nature is uh, suffering and we can restore it. Like there's amazing work going on worldwide. And as I said before, the minute we allow her to recover, she will recover like so fast. Like we just need to let it be. Like I've seen areas where there was coral reefs and they were being bleached and they left them alone from tourism and boats and all of that and they literally just came back with immense like um kind of uh color and vibrancy and more fish and more you know like those no fish zones and all of that so like there is a possibility and there is we can make positive change you know so just keep that in your mind we would have also observed um, a lot of bird species when we were down there. They have like 
just a crazy amazing amount of um, different bird species and some even endemic as well um, but you would have the albatross and you would have the wandering albatross and like this is the bird with the largest wingspan out there so absolutely amazing and it is on the threatened list so yeah um, it's so important that we recognize this that these species are just so beautiful and special and imagine the largest wingspan so they, they really are like when you see them gliding and up in the sky it's just whoa like huge um so there's like 10 million birds uh down there nesting and just residing there um so it's a haven for bird life so when we were on the ship we'd have the old binoculars and observations and just fascinating and actually i remember once when i was in college i was doing studying french and we were doing a bird we were doing a poem about the albatross and i remember reading how when the albatross would land to take flight again it would need a certain like kind of like a runway and like sometimes you know it might get stuck because its wings are so big you know that like once it goes up into the air it doesn't come down for a really long time um yeah so really really beautiful species and i think their wingspan is over three meters so massive absolutely massive um but i actually also have here um, the little booklet with me right now the Antarctica log book the ultimate journey so before I went on the trip um, the local operator the expedition team um, the the voyage company basically they gave me this book as like a gift so I could track like the species I could log my um, the dates and the times and what I was seeing uh, and all the species are in it as well so there's a section about the birds a section about the whales the all the all the species but it's amazing but um there was actually one point there i was looking and uh i remembered there was like a blondie colored seal it was super cute but it's really rare so like the seals down there they do not fear man like when you go down you have to learn this kind of way of um defending yourself because the seals do run at you and you have to kind of put your arms up in the air kind of like a big wide bird or something you know and to kind of shoo them back because they do come for you like and they might take a nab you know so like yeah because i guess like you know they they're down there themselves and then humans come along and i know in one way like you shouldn't disturb their uh, habitats but sometimes as well like you might be exploring in an area where there are no seals and, and they just come out of nowhere you know and they just they just want to play i guess they're like pups you know but there is one it's like a blonde colored one and we saw one uh so it was amazing and uh one of the guys was joking with me and he was like you're like the blondie seal <laughs> but yeah there's there's hardly none of them down there but we found like it's a like a really rare genetic um kind of mutation in the seal um so yeah it's really unique when you find one they're really pale colored um but i also have um just checking the book here on the book here i might just read to you at the very beginning what it says so it says the time of great explorations is over man has conquered even the uttermost parts of the earth but is it really so there's still one place in the world that preserves intact its pristine mystery the white continent antarctica a hundred years ago intrepid adventurers set out to explore this frozen dry windswept land their stories are stories of passion hardship tragedy and heroism 
The longing to discover what is beyond reach is as old as mankind, a yearning stronger than any fear or insecurity. Even today, in times when it seems that there is nothing new to seek, it is possible to stride in the footsteps of those brave explorers who led the way. Not only by living the adventure, but by putting down in words the indelible account of an odyssey which is, undoubtedly, the ultimate journey. Yeah, really beautiful. So, the book then entails, you know, beautiful quotes from different explorers and kind of interesting facts about this uh, amazing pristine land where nobody once resided you know humans it was left alone and and you can still see that when you go there although you see the research bases you know it's it's more often than not uh, inhospitable you can't really live there all year round because the weather just it changes too fast you know and the seas get really rough and wild and crazy so yeah so guys I hope you enjoyed Antarctica um, it is a phenomenal place and if you ever have the chance to get there you know take it um, there's a great balance to be found between man discovering new lands and you know it being overburdened with tourism um, but like yeah, I, I'm I'm really happy I got there and I'm really glad that I can share it with you um, and bring back those experiences, you know, um, because, you know, many people go there maybe just to tick it off the list or, you know, like it is expensive, you know, um, and many people are just, yeah, ticking lists of countries and all of that. But what I did was different and... You know, I hope that it shines a light on, on the wildlife and the history and how important it is that we preserve and protect nature because at the forefront we need it to survive and, and we need it for the future generations and for the rest of our lives as well. Um, so yeah, so I really hope you enjoyed that. Also some updates in my life uh, in the background. Um last week i went beekeeping last friday and it was absolutely amazing uh i was down with hive mind in like west of the harbour down in myrtleville and we got to inspect three hives and learn all about the bees the honeybee um we got to find the queen bee we got to taste different types of honey absolutely like out of this world and you know what's going on in the hive is like another visual representation of what goes on in the collective as a human species as well you know it's just amazing to see how they all work together as a whole to achieve success of the hive um and i would definitely advise anybody who's thinking about you know learning more about nature and you know getting back to our roots like you know who and what we are as a species and how like understanding nature can really help us find our balance on the earth again um i would advise you to to look into it um you can take tours with hive mind and learn all about beekeeping and yeah just the diverse uh stories behind how bees live it's amazing and how their pollination and, and all of that is is fundamental to the variety of our food crops and yeah just amazing so and they play just 
like a massive part in the whole system like of flowering plants and pollination and trees and the seeds and all of it so yeah really important to learn about and be aware of and i also put up a lovely video on instagram about that and you can you can see that as well um and if you do want to take a tour or learn about it you can check out hive mind and it might be a nice thing for summer as well to do that it's a few hours long and you get to inspect hives and learn all about it and put on the suit the suit is nearly the funniest part Um, but yeah really cool really fun and each hive is so different so amazing amazing also some news on the media front uh yesterday on wednesday um i had so yeah the 12th of may i had uh i got featured in the cover of women on wednesday in the echo so that was really nice um to see my story published um about adventuring the seven continents and why i did it um and yeah just amazing so like if you didn't catch the echo on wednesday you can actually find the echo live.ie as well you can find the article on there and read about it and um yeah just amazing um to have that published and and spread the news um so yeah that's it guys i well regarding plants actually i'll give you an update the strawberries are coming out like the growth in the strawberries this week loads of red ones so I've been collecting little pots in the morning and uh, just really nice. Um, so, yeah. And, and who doesn't love strawberries? Like they're the most delicious food ever. And also the courgettes, the cabbages, they've all just like just exploded. And my rocket has come on massively and everything. Everything is really like the sun is really kicking off now at the moment. And the onions are looking good and the kale, the kale is looking fab. Um, so all good and all learnings um and the ducks and hens are great although i don't i still don't know if my ducks are male or female so there's no eggs there anyways for now <laughs> so yeah i have to find out that <laughs> but yeah yeah i'm not looking forward to checking the sex because they're very like they're different to the hens they're they're more flighty and more they're not as kind of calm with human beings even though yeah, my mother does say I'm like the mother duck. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Um, Yeah. So guys, I leave you there. Uh, a final thank you to the patrons who are supporting the podcast. If you can support it all and you enjoy my message and are getting something from these podcasts, um, please consider supporting me via Patreon. And I will continue to do this work and uh, make a difference on the planet and if you if you can give me um a review or a share on social media or something like that that would be really 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 greatly appreciated and i wish you all a beautiful day wherever you are and um just get outside get the vitamin d and summer is here well in the northern hemisphere summer is here and um just enjoy just enjoy and make the most of it and uh Yeah, have a wonderful weekend and a week ahead and I'll talk to you all soon. Enjoy guys. Ciao.